Welcome to the podcast of First Universalist Church of Minneapolis. We are a welcoming and progressive Unitarian Universalist congregation deeply committed to love and justice. To learn more, visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org. you have and plans it here given water and time for a day or a year take the seed that you have and plant it here given love given love given love love given love given love take the song that you have Sing it here, give it strength and time for a day or a year. Take the song that you have and sing it here. Give it love, give it love, give it love, love, give it love, give it love. Take the dream that you have. story from our artist-in-residence, Amy K. Bryant. Hello, everyone. Uh, for this story, I'm going to ask you all to um, send whoever in your home has the swiftest typing fingers, if you're watching on a device that has a keyboard, and put them close to the keyboard. We're going to tell this story together. So when I ask you for a suggestion, you tell your typer, and they'll put it in the chat. And then someone on the ministerial staff will speak what you've written and will add it to the story. Let's do a quick little um, experiment and see. Uh, everybody, just chat if you can. Type in the chat, hello. <laughs> ah, perfect. Wow, you guys are quick. Okay, cool. So this story takes place in Transylvania. <laughs> I don't know why it's set in Transylvania, but it is. It's set in Transylvania in a beautiful valley that's nestled between a bunch of mountains where Unitarians live. And the Unitarians decide to build themselves a church. So what do you think they need to build a church? Put it in the chat. Um, and we're talking about the actual physical structure of the church. What are they going to need? 
oh yeah, I see wood. Yes, they've got to have wood to build the flooring and all of the framing for the church. I see windows and bricks, exactly. They're gonna need tools and nails. They're gonna need building permits, somebody said. Uh, they're gonna need mortar and insurance, <laughs> somebody said. Exactly, and so they take all of those things and they build a beautiful structure with stone walls and wooden beams on the ceiling and beautiful stained glass windows and ornate doors that open to allow the people in. And so, once they finish building the actual building, then they have to decorate it, right? So how, what do they use to decorate it? What do you think? Oh, I see yellow carpet. Yes, they have yellow carpet and they have art. Exactly. They have pews and unicorns and candles and rainbow stickers and zephyrins. <laughs> they have flowers and they have coffee. They have glitter. They have dream catchers. And I see they have flames, exactly. And so they make the inside and the outside of the church stunningly beautiful. And just as they finish, an elder says to everyone, okay, everybody go home and eat dinner and then we'll gather up here in our new church and have service when we're done. So everybody went off to their homes, except a little girl named Zora and their dad. They had brought their food with them. So they sat on the hillside and they ate their bread and cheese and they looked at the church. And when they finished looking uh, and eating, they walked into the church and, they, and Zora ran around and she looked at all the yellow carpet and the glitter and the unicorns and the stained glass windows. And she said, oh, dad, this is beautiful. Look what we did. And then she looked along the walls and she saw these huge iron lamp stands. And she looked up at the top of the lampstands and she saw that there were no lamps up there. And she said to her dad, she said, dad, we thought we were done, but we're not. There's no lamps. It's going to be dark in the church. Dad, dad, it's going to be dark. And her father said, Zora, calm down. It's okay. The people are the light of the church. You'll see. And they, they went up into the church tower and they rang the church bell for service. And the sun was going down and they went back outside to wait for all of the people to come back to church. And they could see in the distance, little specks of light from all around growing closer and closer. And Zora's dad looked at her and he said, the people have all of the lamps that are gonna light the church. And Zora said, well, where's our lamp? Where's our family's lamp? And her dad said, your mom is bringing it, don't worry. And when her mom arrived and everyone went into the church for service, Zora's dad lifted her up with the lamp to put it on top of the lampstand along with all the other lamps of the church community and the church was lit and gorgeous. And they sang songs and they prayed and they fellowshiped and they worshiped together. And that night when Zora and her dad went home, Zora thought and thought about the beautiful church and about all of the light that they had brought to the church. And as she was getting ready for bed, she looked over and she saw that same lamp from the church that her dad had lifted her back up and taken down at the end of the service. That lamp was in their home on the table in front of their fireplace. And she, she looked at her mom and she said, you know, the people are the light of the church, but the people also take their light from the church. And her mom said, exactly, baby. So you have this lamp. And, and Azor said, but mom, wh what's gonna happen 
and, and her mom said, don't worry, when you grow up, you're going to get our family's lamp. And then when you have children and they grow up, you're going to give them lamps. And Zora said, oh, okay. And so that's exactly what happened. As she got older, her mom gave her the lamp and she made lamps for all of her children. And these lamps always showed the light of the church. What is the light of the church? What are some of the aspects, the characteristics of church, the values, the qualities of church that we love? Oh, love, of course, yes. Everybody takes their lamp of love out into the world, of song, of caring, of safety, of community, of joy, of fellowship, of gratitude, of justice. Yes, of community, of acceptance, of comfort, of friendship, of covenant, of kindness. Oh, you all are so good at this. <laughs> and of the choir bringing light, of service, yes, of strength, of learning, of peace, amen, of hope, yes, of compassion, of warmth, of love, you all have said, of empathy, I see, of community, of joy, a place to be found when lost, yes, music and truth, ethical behavior, it says, <laughs> inherent worth in everyone, safety, compassion, forgiveness, and support. And so the light of the church, all of those values and characteristics that we get at First Universalist, all of those values are in us. And as the church, we are that light. And this story is also a component of that light. So Zora grew up, she handed down her lamp and she made more lamps for her children and their children made more lamps for their children. And every Sunday and throughout the week, they would gather at their beautiful church that they had built for generations and generations and place those lamps on the lampstands. And at the end of service, take those lamps back down and take them home. And that light continues to bless the world to this day. So this story, like I said, is also a light and I'm about to package it up in a little box and I will put a bow on it. And now I'm giving this story to you. Did you put your hands out? Are you ready to take this story? Okay, I'm giving it to you. There you go. It's your story now. You can change it. You can make your church look however you want. It can have glittering unicorns and or it could have dragons, <laughs> however you want to make your church. The story is yours now. And so if you want to light the world, continue to pass this story on to others. And our light will pervade our church and our homes and our community, our country, and eventually our light will light the whole world. So now we get to experience the light of the choir singing Count On Me. Uh -oh. If you ever find yourself stuck in the middle of the sea, I'll sail the world to find you. Thank you. 
help our friends in need. You can count on me like one, two, three, and I'll be there. And I know when I need it, I can count on you like four, three, two, you'll be there. Supposed to do, oh yeah. Ooh, ooh, yeah, yeah. If you're tossing and you're turning and you just can't fall asleep, I'll sing a song beside you. And if you ever forget how much you really mean to me, every day. Not what we're made of when we are called to help our friends in need. You can count on me like one, two, three, I'll be there. And I know when I need it, I can count on you like four, three, two, you'll be there. just a couple of weeks ago now that my dad came to visit us from Maryland. Now, travel is a big deal right now. We all know that. And it was a big deal for him to come visit. He hasn't traveled much since March when all of us started staying home as much as we could to help prevent the spread of this virus. And of course, we knew that traveling was a risk for him and for us, but it was one we decided to take together. You see, my dad was diagnosed with cancer this spring. It's a terminal illness, which means that unless something we can't predict happens, he'll likely die from this illness sooner rather than later. Now, I'll tell you, since my dad got his diagnosis, we've all been living with a much shorter compressed timeline than we thought we had. He and we want to be together as much as we're able to, to live and love as fully as we can, even in these very strange times. So my dad decided that he was gonna make his annual summer trip to Minneapolis, even in the midst of all this. And I'm so, so glad that he did. Now, instead of our usual running around trying to do all the cool things that Minneapolis and Minnesota and the Twin Cities have to offer, we stayed home. We made dinner together. We washed a lot of dishes. 
we sat outside in the morning with a cup of coffee. He was a great sport. He stayed up late watching The Little Mermaid and The Incredibles with our kids. He suffered through endless rounds of Injustice, the game on the PlayStation, and he played Battleship and Backgammon over and over at the dining room table with our kiddos. The time together was really, really good. I'm so glad we had it. And I wanna tell you that the getting ready was much harder than I expected. Now, some of it was practical, and I bet that many of you can relate to this. You see, with everybody home most of the time in our family these days, our house is pretty much a wreck most of the time. We struggle as we're racing back and forth between Zoom rooms and doing things. We struggle to do the daily tasks like getting the dishes done or, uh, you know, the basic cleanup stuff that nobody really wants to do anyway. And we certainly aren't getting to those weekly and monthly tasks like vacuuming and deep cleaning, especially not in this summer, this Minnesota summer, where all I want to do is be outside as long as I can. And I'll tell you, I believe in that decision. I need to soak this in. I need to do as much dog walking safely as possible right now. The cleaning will be here for me when the weather shifts. But of course, with a guest coming, the house did need to get cleaned. The bedrooms had to be prepared and groceries needed to be gotten, all while I continue to work from home here in my very cool basement room with two kiddos home as well, uh, often at my side or just upstairs, my wife at work at the hospital. There was cleaning to do and preparing, and I really wanted things to be nice too. I wanted my dad to feel comfortable. I wanted us all to have the things that would make us feel happy, things that we would enjoy. And as I started doing all this preparing, mostly in my head, thinking about what we needed and what needed to get done, I started to freak out. I mean, I really started to freak out. <laughs> I made all these lists of what needed to happen and I got super crabby. My family can attest to this. I had come up in between my Zoom meetings, grumping around the house, stomping, wondering, muttering really out loud when all of these things would possibly get done. So, it was just about two days before my dad arrived and I had been grumping around for a full week when my wife and then my friends each sat me down for a talk. First, my wife reminded me, she said, honey, when have you ever had to do all of the preparation and hosting by yourself? When have you ever been in this alone? We have always done this together. We'll do it together this time too. It doesn't all have to fall on you. We'll pull together as a team. We've got this. We've got this, my own words coming back at me. I so appreciated that. And I felt my shoulders roll back a little bit and myself soften. And then, you know, once I was able to remember that I am not actually in this moment, this challenge, this life all by myself, I happened to have a meeting with my friends the next day. We were all sitting outside at this beautiful park, you know, eight feet away from each other. And they circled in in this distanced way and they asked a question that really got my attention. They said, you know, you're putting all of your energy and all of your worry into preparing your house for your dad's arrival. But what have you done to prepare your heart? What have you done to prepare your heart? I tell you, this question stopped me. They were right. I was doing all the physical, practical preparation. I was rushing around trying to get everybody's favorite snacks and the right coffee creamer in the fridge and all that was important. But what was I doing 
to prepare my heart for this visit, this opportunity, this time with someone that I loved. I needed to pause. I needed to remember that I wasn't in this alone. And I needed to make room for the needs that my heart had too. And I'll tell you, no surprise, right? It didn't take a whole lot of slowing down for me to realize that I was both excited, excited about seeing him and the time together. And I was also worried and I was also grieving already. So that next morning after my friends chatted with me, I sat down and did some writing and I focused in on what it was that I might need from this visit with my dad. It helped me settle down and our time together unfolded just right. Even though, yep, I still missed a couple of items on the grocery order, even though dinner didn't get made exactly on time every night. So I tell you this because I have been thinking about this experience of getting ready for my dad's visit as so many of us get ready to start school this year, as all of us are getting ready in whatever way we do for the change of the season that is ahead. I've been thinking a lot about that preparation that I did and the preparation that all of us are doing now. I think there are a lot of things that are the same. We are excited, we are worried, we are grieving. And we need time not just to prepare our physical spaces, our routines, our schedules, figure out how the heck we're gonna do this for many of us, but we also need time and space to prepare our hearts too. There's so much we don't know about how things are gonna unfold this fall. We don't know what it's gonna look like exactly as school begins for many of us. We don't know what it's gonna be like as many of us are looking for jobs. We don't know what it's gonna be like with this election, with this change in seasons. There's so much we don't know, but there's so much we do know too. We know that we are not in this alone, but we've got this together, whatever this turns out to be. We know that we want the best for ourselves and each other in our community. We know we want each other to be safe, to feel loved, to be nurtured and supported, that whoever we are, wherever we are, we are growing. We want that. For many of us, we also just wanna survive, literally, physically. We have needs, we have situations we're facing that are incredibly difficult and complex, whether they're economic, emotional, physical, we are challenged right now, like most of us have never been challenged before in our lives. This is a hard, hard time for so many of us. And I trust, I trust that there will be ways that we can, leaning on each other, not just survive, but move into the opportunity of this time too. The way that the things being shaken up allows new things to emerge, the ways that we can reset, centering in on what is most important right now. I know that's a lot of what we are trying to do in my house. We're trying to reset. I'm trying to listen to the needs of my heart, not just prepare this place. Trying to encourage myself and all of us, just as I'm encouraging you, to slow down enough to feel what is really going on. To remember that you are not alone, even if you live alone, even if you feel so isolated right now. We are with you. The light of the church is with you from those lamps. So I'm encouraging us to slow down enough to feel what we are feeling and then to prepare ourselves physically, practically, of course, but also to take some time to prepare our hearts. So I want to invite us today to think about how are we preparing 
not just our place and our practical lives, but how are we preparing our hearts for all of the things that are about to unfold. I trust that while none of us have lived through a time like this before, we still somehow have everything that we need together. So I trust that we can feel grounded and connected. And I trust that when we start feeling alone or isolated or kind of flown off on, on our own, this church can remind us that we are in this together, that we can be grounded, that there's room for the needs of our hearts as well. So just yesterday, I saw a few of you at church. Lauren got to see a whole bunch more of you, but many of you, families with kids, and this is kids all the way from babies up to college students or beyond. Many of you came by the church and picked up a bag full of things to help you prepare not just your heart, but your physical place and to do them both together. For those of you who couldn't come by uh, the church yesterday, you can come by today if you live nearby. So 11 to one, Seth will be there to hand out these bags. And if you aren't able to get to the church for any reason, just know you can do this with items that you can find inside your own home as well. So inside this bag, there's some pretty cool, but also very simple things. So in here, you'll find an altar cloth. So a piece of fabric you can spread out to bring beauty and a way that you can say this space is sacred, is set apart from the busyness and chaos that can fill up so much of our lives. Also in this bag or somewhere in your house, you'll find a few other things too. You'll find this votive candle. So a candle that you can light to remember that you are light and that you are loved. You'll also find in that bag, a little glass, just a small one. And we would say, fill it up about halfway with water. So you can do a ritual that we do at church with our kiddos. So I've got that little glass of water. And then in this little bag, we have got stones. So these stones are ways that you can, more beautiful, right? You can see some of them. They are ways that you can name and mark the joys and sorrows that you are experiencing. So at church, it is a practice for our kids to name a joy or a sorrow and then to drop it into the water. So we've started doing this at dinner. It's a nice way to have a conversation and to share what's really going on in our hearts and to prepare our hearts and our table together for all the new beginnings that are ahead. So I'm gonna make a couple of suggestions or a couple of thoughts as you start to prepare your space and your heart, what might you need? I like to have something beautiful. I've got my stones, my chalice. You can probably see some of those behind me. I like to bring in some flowers from the garden. I've hung up my kids' artwork above me so that whenever I'm in a Zoom room, I can be reminded of creativity and wonder. I always have something to fidget with. So for me, that's my softball. Pass that back and forth, usually where nobody can see it. Um, I've got my favorite snacks. So got a little chocolate. I got a whole box of my favorite pens, which makes me excited. So I have all these things that help me prepare my physical space. And then I sit here and I dig my toes into the carpet and I take those three deep breaths and I prepare my heart. To. So I wonder what do you need to add to your space to help you prepare not just your place but your heart 
for these days ahead. Now, I know that I know what some of you might have in those sacred spaces because you shared it with us. And this in particular, I want to turn to uh, some photos that our summer campers sent in when they created a sacred space and sent us in their pictures. So let's take a look at some of those now. There you go. You'll see stuffed animals, a fort, beautiful cloth, photos of people that matter. Look at that big smiles, all kinds of good things going on. Look, and you can even do it in a closet in a tiny, tiny space. You can do this wherever you can find a spot. Maybe it's your favorite books, favorite snack, a special time and place set apart. So good. So I want to remind you, we know how to do this. We know how to prepare not just our places, but our hearts to slow down, to feel what we are feeling, to remember that we are all connected, and to listen to the needs that we find when we do that pause. So we have what we need. We can create this space, this place, not just physically, but also for our hearts. So I'm offering up an assignment for you this morning. Uh, you can do this anytime this week, but I want you to prepare a place. Use whatever you need. Pick up the items from church, find them around your house or outside, and think about the new beginnings ahead. Do you feel excited, worried? Is there some grief? What else is in there? What else do you need to share with somebody else? How might you bring wonder and joy back into your space and into your heart if it has been absent for a while? How might you nurture the connections that will get you through and help you to find the opportunity in some of these difficult days? I want you to make that place in your heart and wherever you are living. Now, we've given you a few of the things that I think you need in order to make this space this morning. We've given you a story, we've given you light, We've given you music and ritual and bubbles and fun. And now we're gonna give you something else to take on your way as all of us start these new beginnings. We're gonna offer you love and a blessing. So let's bless each other. So today we offer a blessing to all of you who are beginning a new chapter, a new school year, a new start. And kids in particular, we want to invite you to come on in close. Bring your face right up to the screen if you want to, so you can see us loving you. We are here to remind you that even though you can't see everyone, your whole congregation is sending love to you right now and always. Mm, and we invite you to open your arms up really wide to receive all these blessings that we're sending your way. You are a light. You are a light unto the world. You are a light to your families and friends and this church. We promise to protect and nurture you and see you for the gift that you are. We hope that you will promise to protect the light in your own heart and in others. And we want you to let your light shine at home, in your online classroom, your neighborhoods, and our world. As this new school year and new chapter begins, may we keep our minds open 
to new information and new ideas and help us always keep learning and growing. We need all of who you are and all of what we can create together. Help us remember not to give up when the going gets tough, but to reach out. It's okay to not be okay. Even when you are sad or frustrated or crabby, you are a light and you are loved and we are in this together. May it be so and amen. Amen. It was so much fun making that video together. We love you and we hope that you have exactly what you need. So now I invite us to enjoy some music. We'll hear several of our church campers uh, from the summer singing Go On Your Way In Peace by Hal Walker with video editing, editing done by Andrew Trolley. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting our ministry. Text First Univ, that's F I R S T U N I V, to 73256 to make your gift. To learn more, visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org.